following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. My little children, I am writing you, I'm writing things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You may be seated. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, so humbled to be before you today. We're so thankful for you, God, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sovereign God, our loving Father. We're so blessed to be here today in your presence, and we just pray, God, that you would remind us in every moment today how much you love us. And that is not where it ends. We want that love to be inspiring to us, that we would share it with others, that others would notice, they would see you through us for you and for your glory. And Lord, please forgive us when we fall down, when we fail. Confess these things we do, Lord, and because we know we want our will, our hearts to line up with yours. Lord, be with this group here today, everyone in this room. I pray you're covering over them. I pray that whatever is on their hearts, that you would minister to those needs, whether they be feeling anxiety or sickness, uncertainty, weakness. Lord, and just give them what they need. Strengthen them and show them that you are a loving Father. Help them to be inspired to bless others the way you've blessed us. I pray, Lord, that when we leave this building today, that whatever message comes out of my mouth would be a glory to you and that they would take it out and share it with the rest of our world. We need you so desperately, Lord. Father, we pray for Jerusalem. We pray because you ask us to in your word. We pray for peace. We pray for moments in our own lives that require peace. Help us to be ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliation. Help us to see the light of God and to shine it well. Thank you so much, God, for this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way where there was none. And thank you for being so abundant in your provision for your children. 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so can you believe it's almost November? Uh, We just had the school year, had the first quarter over already. I don't know. The time flies. Where does it go? But let me encourage you to be intentional as we finish up this year because we're about to enter into the holiday season, right? Uh, And nothing can be more distracting than tinsel. just kidding but seriously it's so easy for us to get caught off guard by all of the hustle and bustle of what's coming and you know we have to be intentional about staying grounded right we have to be wise in how we walk and uh apostle paul reminds us of that in ephesians 5 where he said look carefully then how you walk not as an unwise but as wise make the best use of the time because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, how are we going to understand God's will? We've got to be in it. And sometimes that's a chore. It seems like a chore. Sometimes it's a challenge. Uh, And I can tell you from personal experience, I get it. I'm not trying to talk down to you. I'm encouraging you to be intentional, to be sincere. God knows your heart. If anyone does, God does. The will of God, how do we know it? By being in prayer, in constant communication, meditating on his word. Again, this is not a textbook. This is the word of God come alive. Remain in prayer. Abide in him. Today we're going to talk about how we can live out God's will. And let me give you a hint. It's about love. Love God, love people. You hear that all the time. It's very simple. It's very cliche but it's so perfect, so true. So let's get started. Just from a contextual standpoint, this is uh, 1 John. This is the the close confidant of Jesus. And he's addressing, we're not exactly sure who he was writing to other than we know that he was writing to believers. We believe he was in what is modern day Turkey at the time he was writing it. He's addressing some real serious issues within the church about uh, sin and Gnosticism. And we've talked about this before and this, this notion of Gnosticism being pervading throughout believers. Uh, this, this belief that you have to have some sort of special knowledge and that only in a spiritual sense can you, can you experience that. And that's completely contrary to what Jesus taught. Jesus made it very clear that it's a personal relationship between his creation, us, and himself. They separate out, the Gnostics do, this spiritual life and this physical life. And that if there's going to be any sort of salvation, you've got to have this kind of, this secret knowledge. And again, that is nowhere is that biblical. And we believe that the word of God is the truth. It's the only source of truth. And so from the perspective of today, what are the Gnostics of today? They're all around us. Right? Secular humanists and those types of 
catchphrase names that get put on these different groups who essentially are saying things that either God doesn't exist or you've got to have some sort of special kind of connection and it's just false. It's not biblical. And so we are called for the purpose to tell the truth, to read the truth, to study the truth, to understand it, and to share it. And so be encouraged. Stand firm. And that's how you can stand firm is that in, in that your, your constant study, your willingness, your intentionality of being in God's word daily, being in prayer, stopping to listen, right? Where sometimes we're so busy. Do we stop to listen what God has to tell us instead of telling him what we need? So let's begin in chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John is clear. He's writing to address this struggle I just mentioned. Sin, which essentially believing in this Gnostics, Gnosticism is essentially that. It's a letter of encouragement that he's writing. He's explaining that we have an advocate in Jesus. We're not talking about the Holy Spirit right here. Now, there are specific verses in Scripture that Jesus refers to the Spirit coming, and, and, and we know in the book of Acts the Spirit came upon the apostles, and this is not that. We're talking about Christ here, our advocate. And think about this for a second. If, if, if you know anything about you know, uh, guardian ad litem examples, like a legal scenario where people are appointed to advocate for someone who can't, whether it be a child or somebody who's elderly, and they can't make decisions for themselves any longer, and they stand in their shoes to act on their behalf. And that's awesome. It is so needed in our culture, in our society. We have the Son of God as our advocate. He's standing in our shoes because he wants to, because he was willing to. And we get to stand in his righteousness as a result of that. And so this advocacy that John is referring to is profound. It's even alluded to elsewhere in 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Our Lord Jesus is our advocate. And we know that the Greek translation of that is parakletos, and it's basically a helper or one who is called to provide aid for another. One who speaks on behalf of another. And no one did that more profoundly than Christ Jesus when he stood there, took the beating, was hung on that cross, took the wrath of God to atone for the sins of us. Nobody is a better 
more powerful advocate than Jesus. It's constant. This was what the Lord led me to understand. This is a constant advocacy. And see, unfortunately in our our world, sometimes we get caught up. We think, well, today I'm saved. I feel good. I'm on a good path. Tomorrow, oh, I sinned. Where am I in my relationship with the Lord? Let me tell you where you are. If you're saved, you're saved. It's between you and and your creator. He knows your heart. And he also knows that you're going to stumble. And so what does that mean? What am I saying? It's constant. This advocacy of, the, of Jesus is perpetual. It's ongoing all the time. It's not sin. He steps in, says, God, can you take care of this? All right, I'm going to step out. Uh, I sin. Jesus steps in. No, that's not what happens. It's perpetual. not a flip-flopping experience Jesus is our savior and it's everything to us he stands up for us he advocates for us remember there's nothing new under the sun our Bible says God knew where we would be right here right now and he chooses to love us every day he loves us that much he continues to advocate on our behalf so that we can stand in his righteousness before our heavenly father. And that's worthy of amen. Do you recognize that? He's your advocate. Or is it only a crutch? Or is it only an opportunity for you when you're having a down day? That when your days are going good, we forget about our advocate? No. This should not be. Think about that for a minute. came to save how can you not be moved by that sorry let's go verse 2 he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world and I will tell you propitiation is one of my favorite words in the language of English not only because of what it actually means, which is amazing, but I'll just saying it. <laughs> it's explaining that Jesus is our advocate perpetually, and he's our atoning sacrifice. In the NIV, that's what it says. It doesn't say propitiation. It says atoning sacrifice. He is basically diverting the wrath that's supposed to come to us, and he's taking it. Wrath is averted by the goodness of Jesus by the willingness of Christ to stand in our place. The wrath of the creator of the heavens and the earth and all life is being removed. We're being removed from that painful equation because of Jesus. And we can trust that there's no longer condemnation. Do you know that? Do you believe that? In Romans 8, verse, chapter 8, one, one, excuse me, verse 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law 
The spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. It could not be any more simple than that. As pastor refers to often, we condemn ourselves and it's just an example of unbelief. Do we not know that the creator, he's, he, he said it, do we not believe him? He told us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We should be the happiest, joyful people, most joyful people on the planet. No more wrath because Jesus took it. And he's reminding us that, John is reminding us of that today in scripture. And now, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We know the enemy's motives, don't we? We know that he's not looking to just kind of trip us up. John 10.10, 10, just we can never hear this enough. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And do you think you can fight that battle on your own? Of course not. And that's where we have to come to. It's so good. Application for us is, are we listening to the gospel message or the evil ones whispering? And how do we do that? By being plugged in. What are we standing on? Jesus' motive is to be providing us with eternal life and to share that message, to live it out, and also to be on guard. This is not a playground. This is a battleground, this life we live. So we must prepare ourselves every single day. And we've had messages here that speak about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Apostle Paul provides us with incredible guidance there. And specifically, the shield of faith. And this is what I love when I, when I was just kind of putting this together. And I'm like, wow. It extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. Oh no, just a couple of them, right? All the fiery darts. One other point in this verse 2 is that this is an offer for the whole world. And for us as believers, it's important for us to remember that. Because we're called to go out and to be a witness. Jesus said, and I'll get to this later, but he says, you will be my witnesses But the whole world isn't saved. And this is a truth. This is a reality we have to come to grips with. There's not universalism where no matter what you believe, you're saved. Jesus is clear. And John puts it right on point. It's for the whole world, for those who believe, those who are trusting him, those who are seeking him, that have trusted him as king. We have to come to grips with the fact that we are sinners and we desperately need a savior. That's why we're here. And the advocate will go to bat for us perpetually when he, and we receive his redemption. That atoning sacrifice, that propitiation, we have to engage it. It's not just I'm done, I'm over. 
I'm going to stay in my little holy huddle and I'm good. No, the, the, the Word speaks. He tells us we should go out and make disciples of all nations. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That is so worthy of celebration. And this is not some works-based theology that we're talking about, that you can earn favor with God by making it, by, by, by doing some good works. No, we're motivated, we're inspired by, to do good works because we've been saved. That's the beauty of it. There is a condition, however. We have to receive that gift of grace. And we have to have faith that Jesus is king. And this is just such a good reminder for us. Why? Because we want to shine the light of the Lord. That's what this is all about. We have to accept it. We have to believe it. Trust it. Trust in our Lord Jesus. Walk by faith. And be very, very careful when you ask him to increase your faith. Because he just might. God desires that no one may perish. That's the essence of when it's for the whole world. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Are you thankful today that he was patient with you? That he waited patiently for you to come around to recognize how much he loves you? I know I am. Praise the Lord. Move to verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. God provides us with the way to know that we are in Christ by keeping His commandments, by being obedient. And as we have probably come to grips with, we're not always willing to do that. We kind of like to do our own thing. We were talking about kings this morning. And we've never really been under the rule of a king. And in my context, teaching world history, kings were not beloved, generally speaking. They were usually harsh dictators. And if they were benevolent in any way, it was for their own gain. And God is calling us to obedience. It's how we demonstrate Love for Christ. He says it many times throughout Scripture. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And John is repeating that here. That's how we know him. That's how we love him. Because he knows what's best for us. These are not the Ten Commandments. That's not what he's talking about. Right? We can't be saved by the Ten Commandments. The, the essence of the Mosaic Law, no matter how hard we try, doesn't save us. We realize when we become believers that is the case. And it's not to reduce the importance of those commandments because they're important. But we have the lawgiver on our side. The law that's living in us is Jesus. He's indwelt in us when we become believers. 
And he's no, it's no longer some external law on a stone. It's in our hearts, praise God. All because of Christ. And this is not something that's only found in the New Testament. We can go back to the Old Testament and look in Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, that I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. The Holy Spirit that's now inside us as believers moves. See, Jesus became flesh, flesh and bone. And he is, as we know from John chapter one, he was the word and the word became flesh. And now the word is written on our hearts when we accept him. We're new creations. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be changed from the inside out. We're born again, praise God. This is possible because of our faith in Christ who gave us the opportunity to be in relationship with him by grace, by nothing but just unmerited favor. And how do we show we love him? By listening to his commandments, by following his commandments, by recognizing his commandments. And you know what? His commandments are actually quite simple, quite short actually. We are called to honor him. We are called to love him. Why? Because he loved us first. And we know that we have come to know him when we are inspired by the word and his Holy Spirit. Now in the next few verses, John, 1 John uh, 2, 4 through 6, John gets very real. And whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's bold. It's a bold statement. What comes to mind when somebody calls you a liar? What does your, what's your, reac- what's your, your a reaction to that? Think of it this way. Put it in the context of our creator. If you don't keep his commandment, that person is a liar and you don't know him. The love of God is perfected in us when we keep his word. And we're not calling ourselves something that we aren't. We're finally getting to this message title. Already shining. It's piecing together slowly, I know. Hang in there. But you see, the obedience is not perfected. Nope. Can we ever perfect our obedience? I'd say no. It's the love of God that's perfected in our obedience. 
And why are we being obedient? Because we love him, because he loved us. It is this amazing reciprocal relationship where he loved us enough to send his son to die for us, for our sin. And our desire (laughs) is to please God because we love him, because he loved us first. It's perfected. The love is perfected in our obedience. Do you see that? First John four seventeen to nineteen reminds us again by this love by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to put do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first loved us. It's the obedience that shows our creator how much we love him. It is our willingness to open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to whatever he has in store for us. To get out of our comfort zone. I'm I'm terrible at that. We discussed the Good Samaritan this morning. And, you know, the circumstances around those those individuals and how it showed so clearly that there was judgment, prejudice. They were not being obedient. And Jesus said, which one is my neighbor? And the response from the lawyer was the one who showed mercy. Are we seeking to be obedient and merciful and gracious to perfect the love of God? It's a great question. Something to pray about. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears. Please, help us to see opportunities to be a witness for you. In verse John, verse 5, John writes that God, the love of God is perfected in our obedience. And this is how we may know and have confidence, have assurance in our relationship with our, uh, with our creator. That we ought to be influenced and inspired by the spirit of God living in us. Think about this for a second. If the spirit of God is living in you, can you really resist? Hmm, think about that. Verse 6 goes on to say that believers that abide, remain, and obey are walking as Jesus did. Man, that's eye-opening. People are watching. Believers and unbelievers, they're watching. Why do people have complaints or concerns about the church? Because they're not walking as Jesus did. There's a quote from Mother Teresa, and I kind of, I added a little piece of my own because in youth group when we used to handle some of those important issues, I always talked about the pebble. See, in our microwavable society, we want salvation 
to be instant, or at least 30 seconds. But we're not patient enough to wait. But see, we're, we're there to plant the seed or to kind of drop the pebble. And the ripple effects of where that pebble goes, how far, what's happening underneath the water, we never see. We may never see. No excuse for us to not be willing to drop that pebble. You see, we can't change the world alone. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can cast a stone across the water that produces many ripples, both on top and below the water. There's a famous quote by an unknown author, no matter what anybody tells you. It gets, it gets thrown in with St. Francis of Assisi. But then, you know, if you look it up, you'll see all of these arguments against it. But let me, let me give you the quote, and then, and then you will talk about it. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And St. Francis of Assisi didn't say that. At least there's no record of it. The, the vitriol, the, the vehement denials that he would ever say such a thing that's out there, it's amazing. And you wonder why people are turned off. So what if he didn't say it? What is it saying? Should we not use words? Of course we should use words. You don't make disciples by not using words. But it's talking about how you live. It's talking about people are watching. Do they see Jesus in you? Do they see the light of God or not? I love that quote. Especially with young people who don't really have a lot to say or they're not sure how to say it. Live blessed. Our example matters. Of course, we should be ready, willing, and able to proclaim the gospel message always. The point of the quote is to live what you say. Let your words and your actions be in line as they should be with the will of God and let others see that. Let it draw them. Let them ask questions. You know what? And maybe they won't ever even speak to you. You don't know because you know what? That was just a stone thrown into the water. The ripple effects that you may never ever see the results of. Hopefully, they'll see Jesus in us, in our actions and our speech. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the end of the earth. That includes us, St. Pete. Who knew? But it's not so simple in, to just receive it, right? Let me, let me, it's not in your slides, sorry. Meant to be. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And this is Jesus speaking. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, for whoever 
would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You see, we are called to be witnesses. We are called to follow Jesus, to obey his commands. And that might hurt our feelings to know that we might have to follow him to the cross. We need to take up our cross daily, whatever that looks like. That's what we're called to do. And here's the beauty of it. We, have, we can have assurance and confidence that he's going to see us through. That it's going to be easy. So application point is, are you living in the assurance and confidence that you know Jesus and by virtue of obeying his commandments, he knows you. Right? Because he said to people in his, in, in the, he said, I never knew you. But, but Lord, Lord, he said, I never knew you. How can this be? We have assurance and confidence. And so here, now, is the, con, uh, the foundation of this particular text. We're called to be witnesses in love. Verse 7 and 8. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you, have heard, that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John is referencing not a new commandment, an old one. Not Old Testament necessarily. He's talking about Jesus, the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus points this out. Excuse me, John points this out for us in John, 2 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. We are called to love one another. John is repeating what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry. If, you jo- if, you, if we jump to John 13, verse 34, it fortifies that message. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Didn't sound like there was any conditions in that. Just saying. Jesus said it is new because the command to love God the Father and our neighbors in the law of God was summed up. See, loving your God with all your mind, soul, and strength, that's not new. But loving your neighbor as, as yourself that was. And in Luke chapter 10, but also in Matthew 22, this is written. He was asked by the Pharisees, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a, sec- and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So everything from the Old Testament is brought forward and it is 
consolidated, it's, 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 it's put together, it's, it's molded, it's fused right there. We're called to love God and love people. We're called to shine. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second, of course, is to love your neighbor as yourself. If the, if the life of God is real in our life, if the Spirit of God is moving, it will show. It will be reflected. There are countless examples throughout Scripture of kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Love is at the very front of that list. Peace and patience. I stopped praying for patience though, so. I kind of skipped that one. What does it look like in your life to love God and love others? How will God's real presence in your life be reflected? And so, is it your neighbor's? Is it the person that you're standing behind who's losing their marbles at the, at the supermarket? Or is it on the road when you're driving? Did I put that in there? I didn't mean to put that in there. <laughs> I don't ever have a problem with driving. I told my wife, I said, if you just get me a chauffeur, it'd be no problem. <laughs> Not her, of course. <laughs> John 13, 35, the second part of that verse from before. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's just repeating that same powerful message. We're called to love one another. And he's speaking to believers. John is writing to believers. Verse eight, and this is the, the memory verse of the month and the the foundation of this, this entire message today. At, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Already shining. Do you know? Do you need a reminder? I sure did. I've read these verses, but already shining just eluded me. And the Lord brought it and he laid it on my lap. It provides the assurance that he'll never leave you. He's shining through us. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your arms. Be willing. He's writing about darkness and light, John is. And he does that often. He's pointing out in John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, that we're sinners. We're in the darkness. We're walking in denial, many of us were. And then we transition to chapter two. This darkness is blindness to the notion that we are to love our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We must. It's not optional. He's writing about walking in the light. The full understanding of the love of God is our inspiration. Can you see that? That's the message. 
because it's already shining whether you like it or not. And you know what? You can deny it. Don't. But you can. The truth of it is it's already shining. He said, I am the light of... Actually, you know what? Let me tell you what he said. John chapter 1. Sorry. Thought I had a tab. I did have a tab. How about that? John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's the light of life. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Will not. We're walking in that light. Love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Be a witness, a walking, living testimony to the creator of all things. The ability for us to shine the light of Jesus comes in our full understanding that we have been called to love our brothers and sisters. You see, this message is not because Jesus gave it early in his ministry, no. It's already shining from the beginning of time. He showed us he's the light of life, the light of the world. And you know what he called us? He said, you are salt and light. It's not hidden. It's not in some secret place. There's not some secret sauce that we have to rub together or eat or something to absorb it or take it in. We are called and inspired to love others the way Christ did. To love God with everything we have. To love our brothers and sisters. We must obey. That's the commands. Verses 9 and 11 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He called, he said, you're a liar in verse four. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our lives should reflect the love of, of others and our love of our God. What we do and what we say. It's going to be reflected in our relationship with each other. People are watching. They want to see us trip and fall and stumble. And you know, left to our own devices, we're going to. But when, we, when we're walking in step with the Spirit, when we're seeking and intentionally seeking to, to know Him more and more and to move from what we know in our brain to what we truly can be confident of in our heart, it makes all the difference. John writes that our love and our relationship with God can be seen by the other, our relationship with the body of Christ. And Jesus spoke of this. He taught this in John chapter 13, 34, and 35. He said the same thing. People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you have love for one another. 
application. How is our relationship with other believers? What does it look like? Now, you'll have to forgive me for a second here because what I'm about to say, many of you might not know, but there's a, <laughs> there's a rapper who I kind of listen to from time to time, okay? And, uh, you know, he claims to be a Christian. I'm praying for him to, to come full tilt, um, to stop pretending that he's, uh, that he's got control over his life and his success. Uh, but many of his lyrics do point to Jesus and God, and so I'm thankful for that. And anyway, but he's I had a hard life. His name is his name is Nate Feuerstein. He goes by NF. And he said in one of his lyrics, when he was talking about his life and his upbringing, he said, "Church is where I found God, but it's also where I learned how to judge." And it always sticks with me because this is not one of the biggest complaints that are railed against Christians. You're so judgmental. You're so condescending. And that's the exact opposite of Christ, is it not? So where did that come from? We're sinful. We're human. And so this stands out to me. So we know that many people have come to church and they've left because of things of that nature, the judgment, the, the condescension. And that's why I love this place. Because God is alive. And our leader that guy because he loves the Lord and you see it in everything that he says and does and he will never miss an opportunity to share the gospel through his words or his actions and that is God inspired and that's why you love him too and ultimately if I were to let him speak he'd say it's all because of God it's all because of Christ and you know what it's true and thank God I thank him every day we must be the example of love that Jesus and John are directing us to. And when we have strife within the church, it conflicts with the unity that Jesus prayed for. He prayed right before, hours before he was going to be captured and put on the cross that we would have unity in the church. John 17, if you want to look it up. The conflict with the church, within the church body gives the enemy a foothold. What better than to implode the church body from the inside out with strife, with conflict, with the what about me? I always think of the field of dreams. There's a scene at the end of the movie where the main character, Ray, is, is basically looking at his father at a young age and then the guy who plays Shoeless Joe Jackson, it's a baseball movie, he comes up and he says to the reporter, do you want to come with me out into the corn? It's, it's fiction, okay? And, and the main character is complaining. He goes, that's my corn out there. This is my field. I built all this. I did it. And he says, what are you saying, Ray? He goes, well, I've never once asked what's in it for me, but what are you saying? Well, what's in it for me? Is that not us? Sometimes. We can't give the enemy a foothold. Even a toehold. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. When we do have issues within the body, we must be agents of reconciliation. 
that also is a measure of love to seek peace within our body. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. Praise God. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The light is already shining. We have no excuse but to be ministers of reconciliation, to love God, to love people, because they're watching. Not only inside, but outside. We must seek to live in the love that God calls us to. To love him wholeheartedly, intentionally, to love our brothers and our sisters. That they will know we are followers of Christ because of our love, because of our grace, because of our kindness. Not for some favor that we're gaining, but because we love him so much that we can't help it. May we trust fully that the light that is already shining guides our path. Please, Lord, help us to do just that. If the worship team would come on up and wrap up here. And I'm so thankful that I never want to assume anything. And that message was, it moved me. I was wrestling at night many times this week. If you're struggling, if you're a believer and you're struggling with anything, if, you're, if you need to make a recommitment, today's the day. Please don't leave. Let's pray. Let's do it. Myself, Pastor Colin, Rob, find someone. Let's, and if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but your ears have been opened, if, if there's something you're hearing or your heart is stirring, let's talk about that. Let's pray today before you leave here. Please. I tell my students, I tell them all the time, I say, listen, do you know that you are a lifesaver? And they're like, what? I said that by virtue of the fact that you're standing up for God, that you might save someone's life, not because of anything you did, but because what God's doing in you Please, if you have questions, if something's stirring, don't leave here today. Let's talk. Let's pray. I implore you. Thank you. I love you. I tell my students, I tell them all the time, I said, listen, do you know that you are a lifesaver? And they're like, what? I said that by virtue of the fact that you are standing up for God, that you might save someone's life, not because of anything you did, but because what God's doing in you, Please, if you have questions, if something's stirring, don't leave here today. Let's talk. Let's pray. I implore you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.